This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we hear the story of an old prospector named Hiram who finally strikes it rich, and how Britt Ponsett, played by Jimmy Stewart, gets involved, and his gun plays an integral part of the story, too, and Britt's horse, Scar. He also has an important role in the story. The show, The Six Shooter, was on radio for only one year, 1954, but it proved to be a winner with radio audiences. Let's join the action as we hear the story of Hiram's Gold Strike. In a moment, you will hear James Stewart as the Six Shooter, just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC. Later this evening, listen to the NBC Star Playhouse with one of your favorite stars. Here, meet the press, America's number one newsmaking program, and be sure to keep tuned for the dramatic story of communism in America on Last Man Out. It's a wonderful lineup of great programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the Six Shooter. man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC radio network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. About four o'clock in the afternoon when I rode out of the Saucer Mountains and hit the flat and Scar stretched his legs and went into a high lope. Oh, he seemed real anxious to get across the eight miles of prairie between the hills and Clay City. Oh, you're easy, boy. Easy now. Hey, what's your rush? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was hungry and maybe he was thirsty or maybe... Oh, no. No, no, it couldn't be that. Why, it was over six months since our last visit at Clay City. Scar couldn't still be remembering the filly from the livery stable. Not after all that time, no. Besides, horses don't have memories, at least not as good as... Now, 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 you just slow down, boy. Now, quit. Well, 
Wasn't anything I could do except just keep a tight rein on him, I guess. Something sure was spurring Scar along. Whatever it was, it was important. At least it was to him. Well, we'd covered about half the distance to town when I, I noticed a couple of dark specks, oh, maybe a mile or so ahead of us. And the way they were shaped and the way they were barely moving, well, they just about had to be pack burrows. But it wasn't until we almost caught up that I spotted Hiram. And he was beating one of those burrows with a cottonwood switch and giving it such a cuss and he didn't even hear us riding up toward him. Oh, Easy, Scar. Right you Easy, no. Canary. You start traveling, <laughs> I'll set fire to you. And I don't... I'm not fooling. I'm warning you. I'll give you such a burning that you won't be able to... Oh, <laughs> I am. Where'd you come... Oh, Brit, for a second there, you kind of startled me. Uh, I didn't know you was on my tail. Uh, the burrows been acting up, Hiram? Oh, they're just being themselves, Brit. No. That's the trouble, they're just being themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sure know what you mean. Where are you heading, Clay City? That's right. I heard you was riding herd for the Circle G. Last time I was in getting some supplies, it told me. Are you going to town on business? No, no. The ranch gave me a day off tomorrow being 4th of July. 4th of July? Well, I'll be cussing. 4th of July. I haven't been out on the hill so long I lost all track of time. I didn't even know what month it was. <laughs> Not for certain. <laughs> oh, so you're going to do a little celebrating, huh? Well, I just thought yeah, I'd... Uh, come to think of it, uh, I got me something to celebrate, too. <laughs> and it's more than just Independence Day, Britt. It's a downside, Mark. Is that so? Oh, yes. Mm. Uh, if these critters don't stop balking, it'll be Christmas before we ever get to Clay City. <laughs> All right, Pierre, come on, start moving. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, that's it. Now, you too, Yvette. Both of you, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hey, ah. <laughs> what was that you called him, Hire? Yeah, what's that? Well, uh, it sounded like Pierre. Oh, sure, that... sure, 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 sure. Yeah, that's your name, Pierre and Yvette. Oh, no. Well, what's the matter? They're perfectly respectable names. <laughs> I seen a show once in Denver called the Paris Review. That was the title of it, from Paris, France. And there was a couple of dancers. Well, sir, if they didn't put on a jig. I'm telling you, Britt, it sure was something. The fella, he just picked up this girl and he threw her every which way. <laughs> I thought she was going to land right in my lap. Oh, oh you did. Yeah, yes, that's the truth. Everywhere. And this here girl danced with him. She kept coming back for more, like she enjoyed being used for a lasso. <laughs> yes, Pierre and Yvette. That's what they was called. It was on a sign out in front of the Tabor Grand Opera House. Uh, those names always kind of stuck with me. So when I bought these burrs, well... You know bears, they ain't very particular about what you call them. No. <laughs> now, you just keep moving, Pierre. Come on, keep moving. That's it. That's uh, quite a load you're carrying there, Hiram. It sure is. Uh, well, I guess I'll ride on. Maybe see you in town, huh? Uh, hold up a minute, Britt. Uh, ain't you going to ask me what's in them bags? Well, no, I just figured it wasn't any of my business. Well, I'm going to tell you anyhow. Uh-huh. Yeah, if I don't tell somebody, I'll bust. Besides, I... I... I know I can trust you. Hmm? Yeah, whoop here. Whatever. Brick, I've struck it. I've made a strike the like of which I've never even dreamed of. Oh? Easy, easy, Scar. Yeah, now, you see? Uh-huh. You see this here sack right here? Yeah. This one right here? If it don't assay out to over a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars? That ain't the half of it. There's plenty more where this come from. Well, that sure sounds good, it huh? It is good. Well, I just bet the vein I find delivers more gold in a year than they ever took out of California. Is that so? 
Well, you sure are entitled to a strike, Hiram. You've been prospecting for quite a spell. Yeah, right? you have. Forty-five years, but yeah. Forty-five years. Come with it. But I ain't got no regrets. Not now, I ain't. I told him in Clay City. I told him all. It was gold in the saucer mountains. Oh, I could smell it. Just the way my birds sniff water. But they wouldn't listen, no. They said old Hiram was touched. That I'd never find nothing but yellow-colored rocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, start singing a different song now. Oh, you're, you're, you're sure it's gold you found? Oh, huh? you think I don't know it when I see it? <laughs> you mark my words. Old Hiram has turned up the real thing. Of course, you, you mustn't let the news out. Oh. Not until after I get my assay report and file my claim. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but... I just wish there was some other assay office around here. What's that? Well, that Enoch Wilson, he wouldn't know a gold nugget from a tea kettle. And what's more, I don't trust him. I don't trust him a bit. Well, no harm. You know, some he... of the samples I brought him in before looked mighty good to me, but not to Enoch. I don't think he even tested him. Well, just let him try to say that this batch is worth it. Yeah, just let him try to say that. <laughs> What's the matter with Scar? He sure is restless. Well, then you go on ahead, Britt. Just go on ahead. Well, I guess I might as well. Easy, boy. Easy. I hope everything works out the way you expect, Harm. Don't you worry yourself about that. Well, well, nice run into you. Mutual, Britt. Mutual. All righty, Britt. Come on, come on, come on. You can't eat that cactus. Get your nose out of there. I'll give you a taste of something. Force that right The sun was just going down when we got to Clay City. I figured on stopping at the hotel first, making sure of a bet, but Scar had other ideas. He headed right straight for the livery stable. There just wasn't any doubt about it. He'd remembered that filly. Yes, sir. And, and mind you, I'm not saying that a horse can really get a disappointed expression on his face, but I'll tell you this much. Scar gave a pretty good imitation of it when he saw a big roan stallion occupying what had been that filly's stall. Well, I left him there anyway, and I got myself supper in a room. And about nine o'clock, I started feeling sleepy. You know. oh, I just pulled off my boots. Oh, yeah. God, a man sure does get tired and he stays up late. Holy smoke, what's that? Well, those shots right outside my window. I, I grabbed my gun and I... Oh. oh. And then I saw I wouldn't be needing the gun. <laughs> A couple of kids shooting off Chinese firecrackers. Well, it didn't look like I was going to get much sleep that night. And the way things worked out, I sure didn't. Well, well yeah? Who is it? Hiram, Britt. I got to talk to you. It's important. Well, come on in. Oh, thanks, Britt. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. What's the matter? What's the matter? You look like you're getting ready for a real hard winter. Enoch Wilson. That's what's the matter. Remember, Britt, I told you I didn't trust him? Do you remember that one? Yeah, I said, yeah. Yes, well, I got me some proof. What's in fire? Oh, no, it's, it's just, uh, just some firecrackers, Hiram. And Enoch, he... What, he said you haven't found gold? No, 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 no. He ain't said nothing one way or the other. But by the time I got the burrs into town tonight, it was almost seven o'clock. Enoch was just closing up the assay office. Uh-huh. Well, I give him them sacks of gold, you see, and I said I wanted a report as soon as possible. And you know what he told me? 
Oh, I can't say as I do, no. Friday. He says I couldn't have no word because... He says I couldn't have no word before late Friday. Why, Britt, that's two days off. Well, tomorrow being a holiday. Well, that's the excuse he tried to hand me to. Oh, that lion skunk. You know, the 4th of July is a pretty important occasion. Well, that don't give him the right to tell me a whole pack of lies, does it? No. Well, of course course it doesn't. Anyhow, I had to leave my gold with him. I didn't have no choice. So I got me a bowl of Irish beef stew over to O'Brien's Cafe, and then I went back to see about the burrows. And that's when I noticed the light in Enoch's office. Oh? Yeah, so naturally, I was kind of suspicious, so I snuck up and I peeked through the window. You know what I saw, Brad? I haven't the faintest idea. He was sitting at the desk, Enoch himself, getting ready to do some assaying. And if those weren't my three sacks of gold in front of him, I'll trade you a whole hog for a slice of bacon. That's what I'll do. Well, supposing Enoch was testing your oil, that doesn't prove anything. Don't you see, Brett? He's fixing to take my oil for himself. And once he makes up his mind how valuable it is, he'll do a little substituting. And I'll wind up with three bags of rocks when I come in to see him on Friday. Oh, now. Probably aims to find out where I got it, too. Oh, yes. File the claim himself. No, now, that doesn't sound very likely. Then why did he say it'd be Friday before he'd know anything? Why'd he tell me that if he was planning to work tonight? Well, if you're so upset about it, you should have just come right straight out and asked him. I'm going to ask you, Britt. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask him. But I want you there when I confront him. Me? He's already lied to me once today. But if you're with me, if he sees you're my friend, maybe he'll think twice before he tries anything funny. Huh? Maybe I'll get a decent assay for a change. Well, I'm afraid I don't understand where I come in. This Enoch thing. knows you, don't he? Knows that you're the six-shooter? Well, we've met up a couple of times. Yes, well, come on then, but let's get over there while we can catch him well, red-handed. Wait a minute, now, hold on. Brett, you know how much this strike means to me. You ain't going to let anybody swindle me out of it. No, no, no. Up. We ain't got all night. All right, all right. Just give me a chance to tuck in my shirt tail. Now, you just remember one thing, Hiram. This wasn't my idea. Remember that. Who is it? What do you want? Hiram Garver. That's who it is. And Britt Ponce is with me, too. So you better get this door open. Now, Hiram, you just remember. Howdy, Britt. What's the trouble? Well, I... uh, There you are, Britt. There you are. There. You see right there? See? Them are my sacks. Of course they're your sacks, you see, huh? You see, he ain't denied it, either. Hiram, are you going loco or something? I'll do the asking, Enoch. You'll do the answering from now on. And you better not lie in front of Britt Ponson, either. Huh? I thought you said you wasn't going to be able to assay this horror before Friday. What if I did? It appears like you changed your mind, doesn't it? Well, Britt wants to know the reason. Well, it was just that you were kind of anxious, that's all. And your stuff did look a little more promising than usual. Hey, what did I tell you, Britt? Yeah, what did I tell you? Yeah, he knew it was good. <laughs> I said it looked promising, Hiram. Promising enough so you try to cheat me out of it, eh? Well, you're not getting away with it, Enoch. The six-shooter here will see today. Now, now, just hold on. Hiram Grover, I ought to throw you right out of my office. If I was trying to cheat you, would I have sent word for you to stop in tomorrow morning before the parade and get your assay report? You just... You just... 
You sent word? You just asked Mike O'Brien. I was over at his cafe looking for you. You'd already left, though. I told him if he saw you, to give him the message. You... you told Mike? Well, Hiram? Well, doggone it, but how was I to know? You think he might have stumbled into something, Enoch? Real strike? Well, ain't positive yet, Britt, but... some of the samples are mighty encouraging. A couple more tests. Evening, gentlemen. Who... 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 who are you? Well, turn around, just grab for some air. All three of them. Well, now, you come just on, wait a minute, Danny. Do a little stretching before we... That's better. It was real considerate of you to stay open tonight, mister. Saved us the trouble of breaking it. All right, Sam. Let's start loading up. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. Our religious institutions are strongholds of the American way of life. Our country was founded by men who had faith in God and who were willing to endure hardship and sacrifice for the sake of that faith. Today, the religious institutions in your community need your interest and support. So take an active part in religious affairs. Your pastor, rabbi, or priest will give you invaluable family counsel and aid if you are a newcomer to the community. To face the problems of the future, America must be morally strong. And that moral strength comes through worship and faith. Go to church this week and take someone with you. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. There were two of them, young fellas, both wearing Levi's and leather jackets, both carrying 45s. They're about the same build, same coloring, look enough like to be brothers. They hadn't bothered covering their faces. That meant that they weren't worrying about being recognized, probably didn't come from Clay City. The tall one gave most of the orders. Who's running this office? Will somebody speak up? I, I, I... I do the ass, then. That's more like it. And you'd be the fellow who'd know how to open this safe. Well, uh, there ain't really nothing worth... Cut out the stalling, mister. Get over here. Move. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Enoch saw he didn't have much choice. So he bent down in front of the cast iron safe. He started fiddling with the dial. The other outlaw, the short one, he was standing beside the desk... He reached out his free hand. He picked up one of Hiram's ore sacks. I hear something, Len. Feels pretty heavy, too. You let that alone, mister. All right, take it easy. That there ore belongs to me. You ain't got no right to it. Guess you don't hear so good. I told you to take it easy. You think you can bully me just because you're holding a 45? No, Hiram. Yeah, you've got another thing coming, young fella. I spent most of my life hunting that gold, and he ain't gonna walk in here and swipe it. You just let it be, or I... The next thing I, I knew, Hiram gave a leap forward. I tried to stop him, but it was too late. For a second, he just kept on moving. Oh, a step or two. Then his legs buckled, and he grabbed the edge of the desk. But his fingers couldn't hold the grip. Both the outlaws were staring at Hiram. They weren't watching me. Get down, Enoch. My bullet hit the short one in the arm. Thank you! 
The gun flew halfway across the office. And the other one spun around and knocked over the kerosene lamp. I got off a second shot. It was so dark, I wasn't sure I'd hit anything or not. For a couple of minutes, there wasn't a sound. Nothing but heavy breathing. I stretched out my hand, and I felt a chair. I waited a second, and then I, I gave it a good hard push. He sure had good ears. The bullet splintered into the chair before it even toppled over. But the flash of his gun showed me where he was. Crouched right behind the safe, out of range. I edged over to the right. If I could just get past the window without him seeing me. I made a dot and fired. You know, I lit up another lamp... The boy that was shot in the arm, he hadn't passed out. He was just lying there, staring at me. Looking even younger than he had when he first came into the office. The other fellow, he'd taken a bullet in the shoulder and he was bleeding pretty bad. But Hiram, he was worse off than either of them. He was flat on his back, gasping for breath. There was a big red splotch on his chest and his mouth was covered with sort of a pink foam like. It's a good thing Doc Nibble's house was in the next block. Well, Doc? Oh. It's too early to tell anything yet, Bert. I got the bullet out, and he's still hemorrhaging. I see. Them other two. They'll be as good as ever in a week or so. Good enough for a hanging if Hiram don't pull through. Oh, no, no. He's just got to pull through, Doc. Uh, he's an old man, Brent. I've seen fellas a lot younger. Yeah. Well, you better get yourself some rest. It's almost 4 a.m. Well, I, I thought maybe well, I... Well, there's nothing you can do here. Ain't a chance of him coming to before morning. I, I was standing right beside him when it happened. I could have drawn maybe and then... Uh, uh, maybe then you'd both be shut up. And I'll see you in the morning, Bridge. Well, I went back to the hotel, but I just couldn't sleep. I, well, about 6.30, I gave up trying. I figured it was too soon to find out how Hiram was doing, so I went for a little walk around town. I wasn't very hungry, but... As long as Mike's cafe was open, I thought I just might as well stop in for a cup of coffee. And I was just going through the door when Enoch Wilson came up running. And... Britt! Yeah, Brit. yeah. Good morning, Enoch. Uh, I was hoping I'd run into you. Stopped by the hotel, but they said you was out. Yeah, I was sort of looking the town over. And... I, uh, just left Hiram. Oh, well, he's, he's... He's not... No, 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 no. It sure don't look good. Oh, Doc Nibble says he's got a good, strong constitution for a man his age. He'd have a pretty fair chance. But Hiram just don't seem to have any fight left in him. He ain't even trying to live. Well, has he come to? Yeah, about, about an hour ago. I happened to be there. You see, I went back to the office after that gunfight last night, and 
Finished up Hiram's assay. Oh? Well, I thought maybe if it turned out to be something good, well, I, I wanted Hiram to, to know about it before he... Oh, yeah, well, that was mighty thoughtful of you, Enoch. Yeah, and it is good, Britt. Real strike. Well, well, didn't you tell Hiram? Oh, sure, sure. I, but, but it, well, it didn't seem to make no difference to him. He, he just nodded and sort of dozed off like he didn't even care. Is that so? The doc don't understand it neither. You'd think, if anything, it'd make him want to live. Knowing he'd found gold, sure turned the trick. Yeah, yeah, you sure would. Maybe he figures I'm lying to him. Because he's so bad off. Uh-huh. Well, I guess it could be that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so we thought, uh, Doc and me, uh, we thought, well, uh, maybe if he was to hear it from from you, well... Uh, oh, sure. Sure, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go right over there. Sure. How you feeling? Oh, oh pretty good, Ben. Oh, pretty good. Oh, well, the doc says you're going to be all right real soon, too. Yes, yes, yes. Sure, sure. Of course, you've got to help him along some, you know. He can't cure you single-handed, you know. Oh, don't. It don't matter, Brad. Just don't matter. Oh, now, what are you talking about, Hiram? Well, I figured you'd be jumping up and down, fighting your way out of bed when you heard the news. You mean about the gold? Sure, sure. Enoch said he told you. Yes, yes. He, he, he told me. <laughs> well, you you believe him, don't you, Hiram? <laughs> well, I shouldn't have believed him. I knew it was a real thing when I first found it. I know it was real. Still, maybe... Maybe that was a sign. The... The, the sign what a... that my life's over. Well, 45 years I spent looking for that yellow stuff. Well, now I finally found it. I, I ain't got no reason to go on looking, no reason at all. I found it. <laughs> I'm awful tired, Britta. I'm awful tired. What do you... you... You're going to be a rich man, Hiram. Oh, I wasn't hunting gold because it's making me rich, Brett. Oh, maybe when I was younger, that was the reason. But lately, these past few years, I just wanted to prove to folks that I knew what I was talking about. So that I wasn't catched like they thought. No, of course you are. Those ore samples prove it, Brett. So it ain't going to be too hard to die. Ain't gonna be hard at all. I've done what I set out to do, so I reckon I'm luckier than most men. Well, I... That's one way of looking at it, I guess. Yeah, it just goes to show you things work out for the best, Chris. For the best. Yeah. Well, I... 
maybe Enoch did the right thing after all, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, nothing, nothing, Hiram, nothing. I, no, you better get some rest, too. She started to say something to you about Enoch. Uh, huh? Did I? Uh, yes, finish it up, Richard. What was that you were going to say? Uh, what, what I was going to say? Uh, well, now, you're a pretty sick man, Hiram. You... I wouldn't want to get you all upset. Uh, upset? What are you driving at, Brad? Well, uh, you're weak and feeble, and it wasn't my idea, of course. Well, you, you don't mean that Enoch uh, was lying to me, that that ore wasn't full of gold? Uh, now, I didn't say that. I know I, Enoch I, uh... Wilson couldn't be trusted, so it ain't true uh, about my strike. Now, uh, so they figured I'm... I was going to die, didn't they? Then well... they'd all have the laugh on me. Well, I ain't going to be that obliging. I'll get well if it kills me. Uh... And I'll find gold, too, right out there in those mountains where I always said I'd find it. Oh, they think they're going to soft soap me into kicking the bucket, don't they? Oh, they do. Well, Britt, you just tell them different. I'd be glad to, Hiram. I sure would be glad to. Well, by the time Hiram got well and found out he was responsible for a genuine gold rush, there just wasn't much he could do about it. And the way the money poured in, and faster than Hiram could spend it, no matter how hard he tried... He sure went in for some fly-by-night schemes, too. Like that with that organizing a prospecting expedition to go up to Alaska, someplace called the Con... Uh, the Klondike, I think it was, something like that. Everybody knew he'd never find gold up in a place like that, because uh, they're all expecting him to come back any day now and admit that it was just a wild goose chase. But, uh, but he, he hasn't... Showing up last time I was through Clay City. Folks are beginning to wonder what's keeping them. The Six Shooter is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may soon be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Herb Vigran, Bill Johnstone, Barney Phillips, Tony Barrett, and Howard McNear, who played Hiram. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam. And the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family, next on Theater of the Mind. I'm sure that in every family there are tales to be told of camping trips that have gone awry. Well, let's include the Aldridge family in that in their adventure of a late fall camping trip. Henry! Henry Aldridge! Coming, Mother! Yes, it's the Aldridge family as transcribed, written by Clifford Goldsmith. 
said that when you finally grow up and leave your teenage behind you, it's like being expelled from paradise. You can't ever go back. But there's one thing you can do. You can recall that wonderful time of your life in The Misadventures of Henry Aldrich. The scene opens in the Aldrich living room. It's mid-afternoon. Now, listen, Mary, for the last time, I'm not going to ask you again. Where is it? I don't have it, Henry. All right, Mary, all right. Just remember, I'm not going to ask you again. Good. Why should I go around humiliating myself? That's what I say. Sure. The last time, Mary, where'd you put it? Henry, I give you my word, I don't know where it is any more than you do. All right, Mary, but I just want you to know that I know you took it. Mary took what, Henry? My... Nothing, Mother, nothing at all. Now, wait a minute, Mary, don't go upstairs. I'd like to make you a proposition. I'm busy. Now, Mary? But, Mary, will you let me search your bureau if I promise to put everything back? No! Henry? Sam! Hello, Alice. Dear, why in the world are you coming home from the office at this time of day? For a very special reason. Don't let me forget this envelope. Envelope? Is that why Father, you... will you please call Mary and tell her you want it downstairs at once? What for? She locked herself in her room. Henry, could you come in here? In just a minute, Father. I have to go outside for something. Sam, why are you home so early? Well, all summer I've been saying that sometime Henry and I ought to pack up and go off on a camping trip. Dear, you aren't going on a camping trip in October, are you? Why not? I'm all caught up at the office. But October... Well, this is a tang in the air. All the leaves are starting to turn color. It's a wonderful idea. What is there so wonderful about sleeping on the hard, damp ground with trees dripping things on you all night? Well, it gets the poison out of your system. I'll come back a new man, and after all, I did promise Henry. I'm sure he's forgotten all about it. He'll enjoy it, Alice. He'll enjoy it. How long will you be gone? Oh, maybe two or three nights. Sam Aldrich. Mother, will you please call Henry? Where is he? He ran out in the yard and got the ladder out of the garage, and now he's putting it up to my window. Henry, will you please take that ladder back? Mother, he's practically up. Listen, Mary, for the last time. Good heavens. <laughs> Dear, did you hurt yourself? No, Mother, I'm all right. I think. <laughs> Henry. Everything's all right, Father. I can fix your ladder. Will you please come in the house? He can't, Father. He's all wrapped up in a rose bush. <laughs> there, Alice. It's a good example of why I should take Henry on a trip. He needs to get away from the house. What's wrong with the house? Nothing, nothing. It's just that Henry needs to work off a little of that energy out in the fresh air. Here, he was just out in the yard. That isn't the same thing. Father? What, Henry? Did that ladder cost a great deal? Henry? Yes, sir? Sam, I've got to go up and get something in Mary's room. Very well. Uh, Wait a minute, Mother. I'd like to go with you. Henry? Yes, Father? Would you mind waiting here, please? You want to speak to me now? I do. Oh. Henry, how would you like to get away from all this? You're going to send me away just because I broke the ladder? (laughs) How would you like to go on a camping trip? Alone? I'll go with you. In October? The weather prediction is warm and sunny for the next few days. Perhaps the last good ones we'll have. How about it? Go camping? Just the two of us? Yes, sir. We'll start this afternoon. Sleep right out in the woods. Catch our own fish. Cook our own grub. The only thing is, Father... That's trouble. I have to go to the movies tonight. To the movies? Yes, sir. A bunch of us sort of plan to go this evening. Wouldn't you rather get out and... 
to eat your own fish and... But gee whiz, Father, they're counting on me to sit with them. Couldn't we go some other time? Well, not as well as today. Not any later this year. What's more, Homer Brown and his father may go with us. Homer and Mr. Brown? That throws a different light on it. But Homer's seen the picture, and it doesn't matter to him. I see. Very well. Couldn't we go tomorrow, Father? No, Henry, if you don't care any more about it than that, then you needn't even think of going. Mr. Aldrich! Come in, Homer. I am in. I know. Hi, Henry. Hello, Homer. Mr. Aldrich, my father wanted me to come over and tell you he doesn't know why he didn't think of it before, but we can't possibly go on that camping trip. Why not? We have to go to a wedding this afternoon and a party afterwards. That's quite all right, Homer. I'm not sure I wanted to go camping anyway. Aren't you going at all, Father? Alone. Well, look. Gee whiz, I'll go with you. No, thank you, Henry. Sam, will you come upstairs, please? What's the trouble now? Mary's jammed the key in her door and she can't get it unlocked. I'll be right there. Father, wouldn't you like to join us at the movies? At my expense? Thank you, I would not. Henry... What did your mother say was the matter with Mary? Boy, do you know what she did to me, Homer, just to be humorous? No, what? She stole my diary. Your diary, Henry? My five-year diary. I just started it this year. And Mary has it? Sure. And it's got into what I think of everybody I know. Including me? Sure. Well, come on, I'll help you look for it. Henry, may I have a talk with you? With I, Mother? Hello, Mrs. Ulrich. Hello, Homer. Would you mind stepping into the hallway for a minute? What... What do you want me to do out there, Mrs. Aldrich? Just wait till I'm through talking. Oh. Oh, oh, I get it. Well, I'm sure whatever it is, Henry didn't mean it. Mother Mary started the whole thing by taking my diary. That isn't what I want to talk about. Dear, your father feels rather badly. Father does? Because you'd rather not go camping. Oh. But, Mother, I told him I'd like to go. He said you insisted on going to the movies. Gee, I don't know where he ever got that impression. I'll admit I did mention the movies, because it's a picture I feel it's my duty to see. But I didn't refuse to go camping. Well, you see, dear, your father does enjoy doing things with you. And I'm afraid this time he was just a little hurt. Oh. Well, gee, I didn't realize he was that sensitive. Maybe I ought to take him camping. Would you like to? Sure, it'd do him a lot of good. He needs to get away from the house for a while. The house? Sure, out in the fresh air in different surroundings. Gee whiz. Homer, what's the matter? Uh, nothing, Henry. This table drawer came out too far, that's all. Homer, why are you going through the whole table drawer? Looking for something of Henry's. Mother, father wants to know whether we have any iodine. What happened? He heard his finger opening my door, and he's feeling very sorry for himself. Mother. Uh, yes, Henry. I'm not speaking to Mary. Will you please tell her I'll go up and get the iodine from father? Mother, I think Henry's entirely too sensitive. Mary, dear, do you know where Henry's diary is? Well, exactly what do you mean by that, Mother? I mean, did you hide it? Well, yes, but that's what puzzles me. Where did you put it? In the clothes hamper, and when I went back to get it, it was gone. Mary, Mary Aldrich. So I don't really have even the slightest idea as to where it is. For all I know, it may have gone to the laundry. Now, Mary, I don't think that was very nice. But, Mother, there wasn't one word in it the laundry could take offense at. Mrs. Aldrich, is Henry still upstairs? Homer, what are you doing in there? Well, did you know one of the drawers in your desk is locked? Homer, please leave my desk alone. 
Mary, I want you to do something for me. What is it, Father? Do you see this brown envelope? Yes. Well, before I forget, when a Mr. Warren calls for it, will you please be sure that he gets it? Certainly, Father. Sam, are you and Henry really going camping? Yes, Alice. We had a little talk upstairs, and I agreed to take him. Uh, Mary, did I write Mr. Warren's name on the envelope? Oh, my goodness, Father. I can certainly remember Mr. Warren, can't I? Well, don't lose it. It's extremely important. Mother, did Father tell you I agreed to take him? Yes, Henry. Mary, what's in that envelope? Pop, don't you wish you knew? Can't you tell me? It's something very private. Sam, I'll go in the kitchen and boil a couple dozen eggs for you and Henry to take with you. Gee, Mother, you don't need to boil any eggs. No, Alice, we'll cook our own food. What food? The fish we catch. All we want is a little flour so we can make biscuits and some bacon. Hey, Henry. What, Homer? I found your diary. You did? What does this mean? It says, Sam dropped in tonight, and I found him terribly nice, but very sensitive. Who's very sensitive? Homer, where did you get that? Well, you know that locked drawer in your desk? May I have it, please? It happens to be mine. Alice, when did you write that? Uh, Never mind. We can't read it? We certainly may not. I'm going to take it out and burn it. Well, come on, Henry. Let's go up and get into our old clothes. Sure, Father. So long, Homer. You're leaving me, Henry? Don't you want to go home? Well, I was going to look for your diary some more. Wait a second, Homer. I just had a wonderful idea. Boy, will it kill Mary. It will? She's got a brown envelope, Homer. A brown envelope? She says it's very private. And before I go camping, I'm going to get it and hide it. You are? Sure, sure. The only thing is, Homer, you're not afraid of Mary, are you? Well, no, but maybe I really ought to. After all, Henry, you aren't going to open the envelope, are you? She was, no. You're just going to hide it for a few days to get even. I think it's a great idea. Sure. And boy, will that teach her a lesson about taking things that don't belong to her. Father... Yes, Henry? I don't mean to be critical, but don't you think the fish would bite better if we didn't whistle? Yes, good idea. Nice tangy day, isn't it? Just look at those leaves. Brown, red. I think we'll cast out here in this other direction. They don't seem to be biting very well. Give them time. They're just getting used to us. Boy, I have to laugh every time I think of it. Every time you think of what? The way I got even with Mary. <laughs> you did. She did I hide something of hers. Yeah. <laughs> I remember once when your Uncle John came to visit us. He left his bag up in his Father, room. What's the matter? I think I got a bite. Good. If we just keep quiet I'm now. Keep being quiet. Now you hook a little. That's what I'm doing. Oh, gee whiz. What was that? We kicked our knapsack into the water. Oh, I can get it. Be quiet, though. All I have to do is to take my shoes and socks off and wade right out to where the pack is snagged. You better hurry, Father. The current's taking it away. Here I go. It's a little chilly this time of year. I'll get it all right. Be careful, Father. It's a little deeper than I thought. You want to throw me your coat, Father? No. I just have to take one more step and... Who is father? Father? Where are you, father? Mary, do 
don't you have the slightest idea as to where you put it? I'm almost positive that I put it here on this hall table. And it was a brown envelope? Yes, about this big. Is that Mr. Warren waiting in the living room? Uh, no, dear, it's Will Brown, his uncle. Well, I'm going to ask him something. Oh, Mr. Brown? Yes, Mary? Does your Mr. Warren really need that envelope today? He sure does. He was down at your father's office this morning and got a little excited or something and walked off and left it. I see. Just how valuable is it? Well, it wouldn't be valuable to anybody else, but it certainly means a lot to my nephew. It does? He had his marriage license in it. Oh, is that all? That's all. He's planning to be married at 5 o'clock. Today? I hope you don't think I'd be wearing a cutaway like this a day ahead of time. <laughs> yes, sir. My nephew's whole future's in that envelope. Well, look, Mr. Brown, would you mind sitting down just a minute while my mother and I go through my room once more? Well, I won't sit down exactly. I don't want to ruin this coat. I'll just sort of lean against the wall. <laughs> Put another stick on the fire, Henry. That's what I'm doing, Father. Do I smell something burning? It's just the fire, I think. Boy, these fish sure are tasty, aren't they? Yes. Have some more? I don't mind if I do. Sure was smarter, Mother, to put this can of sardines in the knapsack. <laughs> Your mother thinks of everything. They're even imported. Gee, you ought to see the big one I just got. Big what, sardine? Mosquito. Father, you aren't shivering, are you? No, no, no. I'm almost dry. <laughs> Thirty is wonderful out here in the woods in October. Feel that tang in the air, Henry? I bet Will Brown's sorry he couldn't come with us. So whose wedding did he have to go to? His nephew, John Warren. Hmm, 20 minutes to six. Ought to be just about married. Father, is there any dessert? Yes. Take this knife and cut a piece of that cake. Oh, gee whiz. Cut from the end that didn't go in the lake. <laughs> you know, son, as soon as we're through eating, I think we'd better move on to a place where there aren't so many mosquitoes. Father, maybe you did smell something burning. What is it? Gee whiz, I didn't know you put your shoes right next to this fire. You go through that pile of papers, dear, and I'll go through this one. <laughs> through all of them twice, Mother. I just went through the trash pile and there's no sign of any license there. Well, Brown, you haven't been going through the trash pile in that cutaway, have you? I used a long rake. Did I just hear the phone ring? If you did, don't answer it. Why not? They've been heckling us for two hours. When we find the envelope, my nephew can get married. And not until then. My goodness, look at this. What, Mother? I just found a Christmas card we never opened. I wonder why Mrs. Standish has been so cool to me all year. Well, wait until you see how my nephew reacts to you. Where's he going on his honeymoon? To New Hampshire. To New Hampshire? Well, they'll like it there. They will if they ever get there. Father, where are you? Here, Homer. Well, look, they wanted me to tell you the bride's having hysterics. Oh, my goodness. Hysterics, Homer? She says she's never going to speak to the groom again as long as she lives. That's a fine thing. <laughs> are all the guests still there? Sure. When I left, they just finished the wedding cake. Here, I, I brought you a piece. <laughs> Not now. Just help us look for that license. Well, what did it look like? It's in a brown envelope. A brown envelope? Uh, yes, dear. A brown envelope? About this large? What's the matter with you, Homer? Have you seen it? 
The marriage license? Yes. No, sir. Holy, do you know what I think? I think we ought to get in the car and find Mr. Aldrich. Sam Aldrich? He's with Henry. I'm positive that'd be the safest thing to do. Where is it they're camping out? They said up near McCorkle's Rocks. McCorkle's Rocks? Way up there? Well, gee, Father, we could find them in less than two hours. And I have a feeling that's the only thing to do. Alice, call the wedding and tell them to go ahead with the reception. We'll get the bride and groom married later. And now getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. To get even with his sister, who had lost his diary, Henry has hidden an envelope which he believes is hers, and he's gone off on a three-day camping trip. He's unaware of the fact that the envelope contains an important marriage license. The scene is in the woods. The time is late at night. Father, where are you? Right here, Henry. Where? On this blanket. Oh. You think we'll like this place better than the last two places we unpacked in? There isn't a mosquito anywhere near here. Now lie down and get comfortable. Gee, I wish our flashlight hadn't dropped in the water. You don't need a flashlight. Father, have you any idea where we are? I know exactly where we are. We're about a mile and a half from the main line of the Y&R Railroad. Now lie down and go to sleep. I am. Hey, this is the life, eh, son? You think it'll rain? There isn't a chance. <laughs> Gee, what was that? <laughs> Just a thunderstorm way over on the other side of the valley. Now close your eyes and go to sleep. Yes, Father. I wonder why the stars aren't out. Give them time. They'll come out. <laughs> Too bad Will Brown and Homer couldn't have come along with us. Who's what did you say it was? Mr. Warren, the young businessman who just moved to town. I expect to do a lot of business with him. What's that? Just some animal. <laughs> Why don't you just relax, Henry, and enjoy nature? Sounded to me like a train whistle. Well, it might have been a train over on the Y&R. Oh. Listen, Father, don't you think we ought to go some other place? Now, Henry, there's no sense in trying to go anyplace else. We'll be just as comfortable here as if we were home. Father, is it raining where you are? <laughs> well, just a little... You better pull your blanket over your head. Well, your train whistle sounds closer. Well, of course it sounds closer. It's going to pass within a mile and a half of it. Father, Father, the headlight's pointing right at us. What's that? Do you feel any ties under you? How did we get way over here? Come on. Henry! Henry! Sam Aldrich! <laughs> Do you hear anything, Father? Oh, Sam! Maybe they went a little farther into the woods. Oh, man, they couldn't have gone much. What's the matter, Father? Nothing. I just fell down again. I never thought when I put this cut away on, I'd be wearing it out hiking. 
<laughs> do you want your piece of wedding cake now? I do not. All I want is that license. Here, Homer. Shine that light over this way. Oh, what is it? A campsite. Somebody cooked their supper here. Where? Right there. See, a sardine can and a burnt shoe. Oh. <laughs> uh, probably a couple of tramps. Come on, Homer. Is, is that rain, I feel? Oh, just the leaves rustling. Was that leaves, too? Oh, Sam! Sam! Are you sure the front door was locked? I am. Let's try the back door. That's what I'm doing. Gee, don't you think we ought to call Mother? No. Real softly? There's no use disturbing your mother. It's nearly midnight. Bless you. Thank you. Father, why couldn't we sleep over at the Browns? When we drove by, the lights were still on. And the guests are still there, too. We're not walking in on any wedding party looking like this. Oh. We're the last people in the world they want to see tonight. Gee, even the windows are locked. Father, I know what we could do. What? Camp out in the garage. No, Henry, your mother'd never let us hear the last of it. Oh, incidentally, when you see her in the morning, it won't be necessary to mention the fact that we lost a frying pan. How about your shoe that we lost? Well, that was an old shoe I bought at least two years ago. Hey, wait, I know how we can get in. Where are you going? The cellar door is unlocked. Follow me. Bless you. Thank you. I think everything is. Well, then, I wouldn't worry, dear. They'll probably go away in a few minutes. Uh, yes, of course. I hope I haven't disturbed you. Oh, no. No, not at all. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, who was it? It wasn't anyone, Mary. Just Mrs. Kilmer. Mrs. Kilmer? She says not to worry, but there were two men outside. Two men, Mother? Now, don't be afraid. Every door and window is locked, except perhaps the cellar door. Didn't we lock that? Mary, we've got to go down and see whether we did or not. At this time of night? Yes, dear. Only let's not turn on any lights. I won't, Mother. Oh, i wait here in the hall, dear, while I answer the phone. Who do you suppose it is? Hello? Mrs. Aldrich, this is Joe Graham. Who? You know, the best man at John Warren's wedding. Oh, yes. Do you have any ideas to where Mr. Brown and Homer went? Uh, yes, up to McCorkle's Rocks to look for Henry and Mr. Aldridge. Well, they haven't come back yet. We're getting a bit worried. Oh, my goodness. Maybe I'd better take a couple of the guests and go out and try to find them. Well, hope I didn't wake you up. Oh, no, not at all. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Mother. Yes, dear. I just ran down and locked the cellar door. You locked it? I never was so frightened in my life. And I was just in time, Mother. I could hear somebody right outside. Dear, I'm sure we're perfectly safe. Everything is locked. 
Mary. Listen, Mary. Mary, someone's putting a ladder against the side of the house. They're going to climb in one of the windows. Shouldn't we call the police? Yes, dear. I knew all the time Henry shouldn't have left that ladder lying there on the ground. Wasn't it broken? I thought it was. I don't see how anybody... Mother, what was Ten minutes to three. Are we almost home, Father? We are. Mary? Yes, Father? As long as you live, if you ever discover that Henry is keeping another diary, you are not to hide it in the laundry hamper or any other place. Is that clear? Yes, Father. And Henry? Yes, Father, I know. I thought you made a very nice best man, Sam. Thank you. Even if you were wearing cocky trousers. <laughs> See, it's too bad Homer and Mr. Brown didn't get there for the ceremony. Well, my goodness, the way they looked when they did get back, it's just as well. Anyway, it was a very nice wedding. Didn't you think the bride looked lovely? Oh, yes, Mother. A little sleepy, perhaps, but lovely. <laughs> I didn't like her so much. She was pretty darn cool to me. You don't say. <laughs> Oh, bless you, Father. Sam Aldrich, are you catching cold? Certainly not. In October. It's just... Well, it's just... Frankly, I think there was a little too much tang in the air. <laughs> Radar can't do the entire job of protecting our country from a surprise air attack. That's up to us as individual citizens. Right now, the Air Defense Command needs 300,000 more volunteers for its Ground Observer Corps, made up of patriotic citizens who contribute a few hours of their spare time each week. Both men and women from teenage up can join the Ground Observer Corps and perform a valuable service to our country. Write a phone your nearest civil defense center or write to Ground Observer Corps... Air Force, Washington 25, D.C. Henry, did you see your diary here? Gee whiz, Molly, where did that come from? Well, it just came back with the laundry. What's this piece of paper with it? Oh, I didn't read it. It says... We cannot accept responsibility for laundering this article, but suggest you send it to a reliable dry cleaner. The Aldrich Family as Transcribed is written by Clifford Goldsmith. Henry is played by Bobby Ellis and Homer by Michael O'Day. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roy. Your announcer is Dick Dudley. Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with the Aldridge family. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. 
Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.